This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Ah, the United States Senate. Anything you think should be simple never really is. Democrats there are trying to figure out what to do about the extended absence of Senator Dianne Feinstein from committee work. But they cannot just replace her temporarily as they sought to do this week. Why? Because the Senate is a continuing body subject to organizing resolutions that the chamber has to pass. And it is very easy to grind things to a halt in the Senate even on something that seems relatively routine. We will explain more with Roll Call's chief correspondent, Niels Lesniewski, uh, who knows a thing or two about Senate procedure. Niels, welcome back to Political Theater. It's good to be back. So let's just like touch people back up on where we're at because they're, they're, we had a, a little bit of a flashpoint this week, uh, which we'll get to when, when Chuck Schumer tried to uh, replace Diane Feinstein on the Judiciary Committee uh, temporarily, but this is her absence has is has dated back to almost the very beginning of the year when she was diagnosed with a case of shingles. She was hospitalized for it. She's been in California uh, for a, a couple months now, and we're not sure about a timeline, uh, which has created a little bit of. Uh, consternation about her her place. She has announced that she is not running for another term uh, in 2024, but there's a long time to go between now and November 2024. Let's just sort of go through like some of the context of Feinstein as well, because she her condition has led to a lot of chatter and a lot of concern among Democrats about uh, her ability to get the job done. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, Senator Feinstein has not voted uh, since the Senate left for President's Day recess. And her doctors have advised that it's not um, feasible for her to travel. Uh, and it happened that she uh, was diagnosed with the shingles uh, while she was at home in San Francisco. And so she hasn't been back east as uh, best we can tell. And so this has created this problem for, for Democrats uh, with a one-seat majority in the Senate comes a one-seat majority on committees. And the uh, flashpoint you were referring to was has been at the Judiciary Committee, where there's a number of judicial nominations, um, at least four. There were four that have been identified by... Um, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and and Lindsey Graham, who's the ranking member on the Judiciary Committee, uh, as people who will not get bipartisan support. Uh, Something that is worth noting that Graham uh, mentioned this week, and our CQ vote studies actually validate, is that he has actually been more likely personally to vote along with the Democrats on quite a few nominations. So Uh, Senator Graham's uh, vote scores and party unity scores have actually been rather low uh, this year because he, or in the last year, because he and um, Senator Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska have 
frequently jumped uh, to back Biden nominees. There's a few that he doesn't want to touch. And because he won't touch them, they can't get through the committee uh, with Feinstein absent. And some of the complicating factors here, too, are that Dianne Feinstein is sort of a, is an icon, you know, of California politics. I mean, she's a former San Francisco mayor. She's has been involved in in the the utmost power circles in in California, you know, the the country's most populous state for decades. She's the oldest senator at at, at eighty nine uh, years old. She's the oldest member of Congress uh, at at eighty nine, and we've seen the last couple of years things that start out as almost sort of as whispers and that have grown louder about people trying to to kind of push her aside or at least encourage her to retire or step down because of her, you know, like the the one, the the low margins that they have for error, uh, as, as you mentioned, that we went from a 50-50 Senate to a 51-49 Senate in the, in the last election. And it has created this very uncomfortable situation for a lot of people because it gets into questions of legacy, questions of ageism, of sexism, no one less than Former Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi have said this is you know they would never do this to a man, and so it's it's created this this really tense situation. But the reality is is that the it, it, even beyond the Judiciary Committee, the Senate Democrats are not able to do a whole lot without her vote. That's right, and and and, and you know there are a couple of members who get their committee assignments from the Democrats. Uh, who are not exactly the most reliable votes. Uh, And so, you know, Joe Manchin, the Democrat from West Virginia, uh, hours before we were um, taping this podcast, appeared with some Republican senators uh, who are seeking to overturn the Department of Veterans Affairs uh, rules regarding abortion access for veterans. we never quite know where Senator Cinema, who is an independent now uh, from Arizona, is going to come down on questions. And with with Senator Feinstein, who, uh, quite frankly, was always a reliable Democratic vote, and you probably couldn't find a more uh, Joe Biden Democrat in the Senate than Dianne Feinstein. They've known each other for decades. They worked together on the 94 crime bill, sat near each other on the Judiciary Committee all those years. So the fact that Feinstein is out and and deprives them of a reliable vote leaves them basically more beholden to Manchin uh, than they normally even would be. And this has also, you know, come up with, you know, other absences. So we just, just this week, I mean, this is the first week uh, that both chambers have been in session since the since a two week recess that started the month. But John Fetterman, the freshman Democrat from Pennsylvania, uh, he was hospitalized uh, for treatment of depression. He is he is back after uh, missing uh, several weeks. The uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell uh, suffered a fall uh, at an event uh, and and missed several weeks. Also, they were both back on Monday, um, and it 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 really sort of. Put an accent point, if you will, on the fact that the the that your your one trip, you know, or one diagnosis away at any point uh, in the Senate from from being a standstill, um, and you know the 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 House Republicans have I think managed their calendar fairly well in getting uh, either congressional review acts or disapproval resolutions or so forth, things that can be that can pick up the support of someone like like you said, Joe Manchin. 
um, and and Chuck Schumer as the majority leader doesn't have the votes to kind of combat that. So let's let's talk about why you know. This, so this week Schumer you know, over over the break. Representative Ro Khanna made some news. He said that Senator Feinstein should step down. We need to get these judges cleared um, and out of the Judiciary Committee. And, and um, you know, he is, is not an unaffiliated party here. He is uh, supporting Barbara Lee in, in her race, her campaign to replace Dianne Feinstein in, in California, California's Senate race in 2024. So he's not an uninterested party there. Uh, and in the aftermath of that, Feinstein – Stated that she would step down temporarily as long as she's not able to be there. Schumer, you know, be, be here in Washington. Schumer said, "Like, okay, we'll do this." And then we weren't even back a few hours when we saw the handwriting on the wall. When several uh, Republicans said, "Like, we are not going to do this. We're not going to grant. You know, we're, we're not going to allow you to do this easily." And let's talk about why they would have to do that. Because, as I mentioned in the in the, the at the beginning of the podcast, the Senate periodically passes organizing resolutions, usually at the beginning of each new Congress. But one thing that uh, doesn't seem obvious maybe to to someone who doesn't follow the Senate in the same way that you and I do, <laughs> is that that organizing resolution stays in place regardless unless you replace it. And, and it has to go through all the the gears and, and wheels and uh, sand uh, that can be kicked into them if you want to pass a new organizing resolution. Uh, that's right. And it's, it's usually perfunctory. But it's the Senate, so it doesn't have to be perfunctory. And in fact, uh, in in researching the history of these challenges, we we can go back. Um, I went as far back as 1891 to find an example where a senator sought to, for reasons that are not entirely clear to me, and that's partly because I'm looking at records from 1891. But for for whatever reason. A senator sought to resign his seat on the Foreign Relations Committee, submitted a letter to the president of the Senate saying that he wanted to do that, and the Senate, by voice vote, an overwhelmingly bipartisan vote, so much so they didn't have to even have a roll call vote, rejected his effort to resign from the committee. And so... There, there's there's even two point sides to this coin. What, what Schumer was attempting to do in this case was to, in one fell swoop, basically accept Feinstein's resignation from the committee temporarily and replace her temporarily with Ben Cardin, the senator from Maryland. Uh, but in fact, you could have divided the question up if this had actually come up for a vote in the Senate one of the maneuvers that would have been available to the Republicans if they wanted to maybe even cause more trouble than this seems to be is they could have attempted to amend Schumer's resolution to insert a different senator on the the Judiciary Committee. I think we, uh, Jason and I, we both know that, that Senator Cardin would probably vote along with what Dick Durbin, the chairman of the committee, wanted to do. Um, but if the Republicans wanted to try and put cinema or mansion onto the Judiciary Committee, they actually could have tried to do that too. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, people may be scratching their heads saying, like, why is this so complicated? And it really, it's, it to me, it's actually not complicated. I mean, d- despite what, you know, like where our, uh, you know, um, comments about it, it's just that 
the the rules that you put in place at the top, you know, like that they have are the ones that are there until they're replaced. And it just be as you said, because the Senate is is the way it is, um, it does not take much to to, to for things to um, sort of not go according to plan. And we saw this just this year, you know, because the organizing resolution, you know, like it, it did not come together uh, very quickly uh, it, at, at the beginning of this year uh, in, in either chamber. I mean, in the House, they had the, the issue was the fact that they didn't have a speaker for several days. <laughs> um, it, that's usually a, a much easier, uh, you know, um, a, a accomplishment, if you will, to organize the committees and, and, and so forth and the structure in the House. But in the Senate, I mean, you could – you know, with with far fewer people, you could have a situation where one side is in the majority, but actually has fewer people. Uh, if if there were to be you know uh, you know a, a death or or resignation or or something like that, and you know even though there are fewer people to make up a majority, uh, that, that they they're actually numerically in the minority, they would still be in the majority until there's a new organizing resolution. <laughs> Right. And you would have, I mean, so the other, the, the other piece of this is that you would still have the chairman being designated as the chairman, even if you looked around the room. And in fact, this sometimes happens in January before they reorganize at the beginning of a new Congress. You could have a chairman and then look around the room and realize there are more members of the other party sitting in the hearing room. Um, but no matter, the person wielding the gavel is still the person who had it last Congress, right? Which makes things very interesting too. When there's a when there's a flip in the majority, is that you know if if you really wanted to tie the, tie the place in knots, uh, if especially if there were a, a large number of people who had retired or been defeated for re-election, you, I mean, you could have you know really just sort of zombie committees, if you will, uh, well, and, 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 and that happened uh, at the beginning of the Biden presidency, when they were starting to process nominees, uh, the, I can recall in specifically that the armed service at the armed services committee, um, Senator, uh, Jack Reed's office had to correct people to explain that Jack Reed was not yet the chairman of the armed services committee, that he was Soon to be, but the, because the Senate had the, the Senate had not yet organized when they started moving Pentagon nominees, that Jim Inhofe uh, was still the chairman of the committee, even though the Democrats were in the majority. Yeah, it's it, it is a it, it it's a marvel sometimes when when you see how how delicate some of the, some of these balance of power acts are. Um, I, I think it to me it it it, it emphasizes that. In order for things to work, people actually do want need to have them. They they do need to put forth the effort to make them work. They don't just happen automatically, and that there's even though it's it's sort of an alien concept for for things to be uh, organized in such a way uh, for for a lot of people. It it, it is it, it takes a remarkable amount of cooperation, and and it it speaks to. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to. Say that the that the Congress is a functional place. It is it is it is dysfunctional. It is not non-functional. Um, although we have gotten to the point where it was almost non-functional um, in in the House when we didn't have any leaders uh, for a while, and basically the most powerful person in the building was the the clerk. <laughs> but it it 
takes a lot to keep the place running. And I mean, in in this case, I mean, certainly the Republicans know that eventually this situation will sort itself out. I mean, the 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 Democrats do have from now until basically the end of the Biden, you know, of this Congress uh, to process the nominees that they have. Um, but Republicans are probably in no hurry to help them along because they know that they have this like long stretch of time where they're going to be doing not that because they're not going to be picking up a lot of House GOP passed bills. Well, and and the the other potential conundrum uh, for the Senate is so first of all, the Senate is in a very long work period at the moment. I was looking at the calendar last night and realized that the Senate does not leave again until the week before Memorial Day. Uh, so there's there's probably going to be a lot of time here to basically clear the decks of whichever judicial nominees are out there that Lindsey Graham likes. Right. So we'll get we'll see probably the Senate get through a bunch of these nominations uh, between now and late May. And that may be why um, Senator Klobuchar, for one, said on uh, ABC this weekend that we'll see what happens if this continues. Though this continues is probably after Memorial Day when they will probably start to run out of consensus or moderately consensus nominees. And when you get to the other thing that's going to come up when you get to the um, summertime, uh, not to turn this to into the CQ budget podcast, although listeners should also listen to the CQ budget podcast. Absolutely. They have, but, it, yes, where we absolutely. <laughs> Senator Feinstein is also a senior member of the Appropriations Committee and Senator uh, Murray and Senator Collins, who are leading the Senate Appropriations Committee, want to process appropriation bills through committee this year. And so you could run into a situation there where if there are going to be partisan amendments or tight votes in committee where Feinstein really needs to be back in order to stop whatever the Republicans may start scheming uh, at the, the appropriations committee. Yes. And, and this is, I mean, let not, not to even mention the debt limit, <laughs> you know, they where we're, you know, like we, we're going to be in a situation very soon where this will need to be addressed uh, by both chambers. And it sounds like every vote will count uh, at, at, at this point. I mean, they, that every there, there will be no throwaway uh, votes. There will be no uh, people that you can take for granted necessarily or votes you can take for granted uh, with, you know, just the world economy hanging in the balance. Um, so, you know, it, this is where, you know, an optimist would say, well, they always seem to figure out a way to make it happen. And as, as you have just said, you know, people on political theater, it does take an enormous amount of cooperation from people who seem like they're always at each other's throats, but they're actually cooperating on about 90% of most, you know, business in the course of a day. And then the, the, uh, you know, pessimist might say, this does not look good. <laughs> like if if we can't get up, you know, just a basic personnel issue with with a senator, if we if we have no idea when that senator is going to be back, 
uh, with the world economy hanging in the balance, that's not an ideal situation to be. So listeners can choose their own adventure, whether they want to be a you know half glass half full or glass half empty uh, kind of approach to this. And w- one thing I wanted to note too is that we're we have we have seen in the past other you know other members who have who have gotten ill who have you know had to take time off um you know we we had just in in the recent past you know senator mark kirk a republican of illinois had a stroke he he missed uh, quite a bit of time uh same thing with uh senator uh, tim johnson democrat from south dakota but the circumstances were a lot different um in in terms of like the, the democrats had a few more votes with johnson and also as as uh, you you uh, found uh, when you're doing your research, uh, it, they were the Democrats had the majority in the Senate, but George W. Bush was president, so they weren't exactly in like a huge hurry <laughs> to to address anything that Bush wanted to do, including nominees. Um, and and so this this seems to be the, one of the reasons that this seems to be so important is getting back to our original point. There are just so f- there's so little margin for, of error, you know, in a 50-50 Senate and now a 51-49 Senate. There, there certainly is, and and the fact that we are in the world where you have a simple majority in order to confirm nominees, to get cloture on nominees, and to confirm nominees. The other thing, if we were looking back at these past examples, those were cases where things could be filibustered, where nominees could be filibustered and need sixty votes. And so, if you had one senator absent from the majority party, it wasn't necessarily. Um, the end of the world because you probably weren't advancing the nominee ever, except in that period where the Democrats had gotten to the magic 60 votes and were, um, you know, trying to cajole uh, the likes of Ben Nelson and Joe Lieberman to support things, to bring up names from time gone by. But other than that, it was a different world from the world in which you just need a majority uh, to confirm nominees. Well, Niels, thanks much for you know kind of walking through this. I mean, I think that we're we're going to be th- this issue is not going away anytime soon, and uh, you know we'll we'll just see you know what the situation is. We'll, we'll keep following it, and I just want to encourage everybody to read your stories uh, that explain the historical you know examples of what they've done in the past, and then also just what went down this week uh, when uh, when the chamber was was blocked from from doing the the quickie. Uh, <laughs> Um, unanimous consent request on it. So thank you very much for for your work on it. And uh, please, listeners out there, check out those stories. And thank you for explaining it. Thank you. And thank you for listening uh, out there. If you have liked what you have heard, please rate us on iTunes. Uh, Say nice things about us. It always helps. Subscribe to our newsletters. Subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe to the CQ Budget Podcast, too. Our budget tracker will love that. It will make his day. And in the meantime, we will catch you later. 